Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome to Planet Earth for the Terrans. All those out there in all universes, we welcome you to our radio show called Ascension Church Ohana. And we're about Spiritual Science Sunday today with whoever wants to participate. Uh, I've asked Pastor Richard Thomas Knight. He is a Universal Life pastor, the same as I, out of Modesto, California, so we can have a bona fide place that we say. But, you know, we have our own church we're building here, and I've been working on it all since I lived in Hawaii. So uh, we've got the Ascension Church Ohana, but it really took on its own spirit when my daughter passed, Gigi. And uh, last Sunday we had Pastor Gigi. I don't know if Gigi would show up, but there's another Pastor Gigi out there in Atlanta, Gwendolyn D. Adams Evans. So we hope she shows up. She's been invited. Uh, we enjoyed her last week. But in the meantime, uh, Richard is of Valdosta, Georgia. And he is actually from California. So he is uh, born in the USA, uh, the same as I. I was born in Monroe, Louisiana. And on Sundays, uh, we'd like to have you join us for Spiritual Science Sunday on the things that we can talk about that are uplifting for most of us that uh, believed growing up in America that Sundays were a time of rest and praise and worship. Regardless of who or what you uh, praise and worship, but uh, we both singers, and I have music on here, but you know that I don't have my church music. It's more bluegrass gospel, and I don't think a lot of my friends in today's age would appreciate it unless they were from Kentucky or had appreciation of the old gospel. Give me that old time music and so uh, I'm going to forego all that although I do love singing but I uh, told y'all a few weeks ago that the reason I was doing this singing was because I'd had my throat cut and I was told I probably would never speak or sing or anything again but it could be a side effect and it was a risk I took to put me back together so foregoing the singing and the music for this Sunday and probably a few for a while till we get some people that really want to uh, add some new music for the Ascension Age, we'll ask all you musicians out there, and I'll be trying to look you up on uh, with uh, what I've done in the past. If you worked with me in Kentucky or uh, even I may get Scott Huckabay. He came over. He did a little video in Hawaii. And uh, Scott Huckabee is very well known for doing some great stuff. As Stephen Halpern on piano, which was there when I was at the Gold Pyramid. And also, uh, we help people get events going and all that. But due to COVID-19, I've noticed all of most of the events we've done in the past are being done on uh, what they call remote, or they have people. So Richard and I are going to have to create this Ascension Church Ohana all by ourselves uh, based on all the world religions. And uh, we're going to use that uh, unconditional love and everyone's invited. 
So uh, we're using my articles and bylaws from my original Ascension Center organization because they've always worked so well for me as my foundation. But Richard's read them all and adopted them all, so we can create a lot more uh, in a conversation that deals with what we see as our future reality together from 2021. Now, we don't know how long God's going to allow us to be here any more than anybody else, but we do have some interesting topics. But we are under the category of spirituality, and I'm going to get Richard on now because we have a lot to talk about. Pastor Rich. Yes, how are you? <laughs> here Great and present and accounted for. That's about all I can say. I've shown up and carbon-based unit. So here I am in 3D, and uh, my soul is, you know, down, I guess, connected to this physical reality, at least some part of it, because we all have this God part of us that apparently keeps us alive while our body's working. But I'm really concerned about people checking out off the planet in all these other dimensions and universes. And I know there are many universes, scientifically speaking, but still, how does that serve us now in the present? Uh, That's a very tough question for spiritual scientists because we talk about spirit, but we also talk about science, philosophy, theosophy, and philosophy. So basically, we're armchair pastors inside the Internet right now. But there may be some people that think like us with unconditional love for everybody. I know Hugh Trawson, he, if he's listening, he very much an unconditional love and prior military. But we have a lot of prior military, too. So the reason we're doing this unconditional love but also warm and welcoming anyone that wants to participate with us Uh I don't. I guess we're going to use the, our uh, website maybe because it's, you show up and you can share a concern or a condition. I don't know how we're going to do this. It's two hours in the first hour, so we're only 53, 54 minutes in. So six minutes I took up. So now <laughs> you get six minutes. Okay. I think that universality, you know, um, Regardless of dimension, regardless of space-time continuum, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think it is all important in reference to the information flow. Uh, you know, we experience all these different dimensions and all these different quadrants of space, or all these different quadrants of the universe, uh, our galaxy, various planets, and even you know, <clears throat> interacting with extraterrestrial or alien life forms in regards to them not being Earth earth-based of any kind um, I think it is the, the flow of information is what actually gives us hope as a race because you know we seem to be caught up in a, in a large wave of chaos at the moment simply because you know the pandemic is leading the, tri- the charge however the pandemic is also mainly being defeated at the moment thanks to all the vaccinations that are going on around the world and that and the fact that it has already done as much as it could possibly do. In other words, it's come across and done its worst, and there are a great many that are absolutely immune to it because they just never came the the idea of having a virus at all. So therefore, you know, um, there is safety now, and we are going to turn the tide. It probably may take another month or two before actually people can start gathering together um, and not be social distancing six feet apart and the likes of that. 
But again, this is going to something we're going to build ourselves out of just as we had to uh, do social distancing and actually become residents of our own caves in a manner of speaking, at least in cyberspace as that's concerned. I mean, you know, most people, um, other than those that were lucky enough or possibly well enough um, to be able to continue working, and our hats off, of course, to all the first-line workers, such as our nurses and doctors and all those so forth that have treated all kinds of emergency cases, some of which directly related to COVID and others not, not related whatsoever, just to regular everyday delights, uh, you know, like heart attacks and, and things of this nature, dire circumstances. And, yes, they have incessantly and repetitively uh, offered their services. And so, yes, we, we shout out to you and welcome, you know, uh, apathetically all that you have done, and we respect you for all that you have done because, in fact, that is a selfless service in order to attend to the needs of others. And that is the basis of our church, too. Our church is what built upon unconditional love, the acceptance without judgment of anyone and anything, almost. Not that I would call an alien being a thing, per se, but at the same time, they are definitely a foreign intelligence. And I think that, you know, the sharing of information is very vital right now because there's a lot of things we have done to our planet that need to be reversed. Like, for example, you know, our atmosphere and stratosphere is uh, polluted very highly, and we need to do some kind of cleanup in our atmosphere. Uh, also, our ocean is very heavily polluted. And again, there needs to be some kind of cleanup for that. But as all things say, you know, you start with yourself. And if you can clean up yourself and you, you turn into a better person, and as a better person, the vibrations and frequencies that you are presenting to the world at large, will draw into you those of like mind and like heart. And that's what we're encouraging and attempting to do in all honesty. We are trying to create the family ohana, a family gathering of like-minded people that resonate to the same core values and the same core instincts and the same core uh, identification in the matter of speaking when it comes to universe. Um, and universal laws, and cosmic laws, and all of these good things and I mean, you know, you don't have to uh, make them all uh, rigid or make them all in any way um, imperceptible. Instead, just be uh, very frank and a truth seeker, which is what I have been all of my life. Uh, I have read so many books and so many treatises, it's not funny. And basically, I have the understanding that regardless of the path you are on, we were all created by one source, and unto that same source, we will all return. And as Teresa was saying, you know, that, hey, we don't know when we're going to go back home. We are not promised tomorrow. We only have today. And, uh, you know, anything can change in a moment's second because change is the only thing that is absolutely a certainty in creation as everything changes. So our church is based on unconditional love. That means love that is all accepting, all continuous, all embracing, um, without any kind of uh, hidden agenda or any kind of uh, uh, bias or prejudice of any kind or anything like that. It is just unconditional love, the same love that we are given by our divine source, the same source that created us. So that's where we are at, and we welcome all that are listening, and we welcome any and all to join us. Um, 
And, you know, we, we are one, one family, one race of mankind, and that's what we are. Now, yes, we are all very diverse, and we are all very unique, and we gladly recognize all the artists and all the musicians that have helped us through life, regardless of the genre. Um, you know, music is, is a symphony that, that quiets the spirit and helps the spirit ascend. You can be in a dark mood and listen to a piece of music, and all of a sudden you feel joyful. Um, music is just one of those things. And you also have to understand that we are all vibrations and frequencies, and music is nothing but vibration and frequency as well. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where we're at. We are conscious frequency and vibration or energetic beings of light mass that in turn have consciousness. And that's our true source and that's our true form. And as such, of course, we are unlimited and boundless in regards to what we can create and what we can share in that creation. Um, so there's my six minutes, I think, roughly speaking. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, I'd like to share information so you feel like you're getting uh, involved with consciousness that uh, of ancient wisdom and and I'll be but I did accept grandpa who was almost 109 before he died on my husband's side uh, the Morses of Kentucky and Indiana and Arkansas all up in there he was actually born in uh, right outside of Hot Springs Arkansas and he remembered telling stories about his parents and uh, he moved to Indiana and he and his wife and she was an Indian so uh, right there is so funny because that's exactly where my family started, right in that same area with Salem, Missouri, where my grandmother on my mother's side uh, started Indians, uh, and she was an eighth grade school teacher, my great grandmother. And so when I came into reality, we had five, with my daughter, we had five generations before my grandmother died. And she died rather early, I think, in the, about 89 or 90. But, um, she was the maternal lead elephant or lioness, if you want, because my reality growing up is different than my children's, but they did because I had them so young. I had my first daughter at age six. What's that? Caruso. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But did I move? Yeah, I guess it was a blank spot or something. Interesting. Okay, folks, uh, I'm sitting very still in my home on my couch in the living room, and the sun is beautiful, and all I see is trees everywhere I look because they're just young trees, but I have one beautiful big uh, magnolia tree right in the middle of my backyard that's the queen of them all, and she's just beautiful, but... Uh, I was talking about our land, our family history and how, you know, we're all teachers, I guess I would say, but my family is many generations of teachers. And uh, you look at your mother and father's side, and a lot of people, including my old friend Janet Carol Lesson on Sundays that started in 2012, is doing her genealogy now. Now, most of mine, as far as I know, has already been done for me. It was done on both my mother's and my father's side. And we have a lot of Mormons, Latter-day Saints, in our family. And my dad joined the church 
with me never knowing about it. And uh, I joined the church without him ever knowing about it. So that's how good the recruiting was out there because uh, my dad had already divorced my mother by the time he joined that church. But I went. You're fading away again. I went. I left the Mormon church. Uh, I had started as a Baptist. And we can talk about Richard's upbringing. But I was born in the church and America in Louisiana in the Southern Baptist. Then I became a Latter-day Saint. Then I became a Unity Church in Hawaii. And uh, But I was ordained in the pyramid, Gold Pyramid. So I'm an ordained minister of the Gold Pyramid Church. <laughs> And we have a pyramid conference coming up in Chicago, so I'll be talking about that uh, with Marta Thomas or some of the people that may be talking about pyramids. But, Richard, uh, our Universal Life Church, our Ascension Church Ohana, our spiritual science studies and uh, spiritual science Sunday, it, it seems to me that because I know that we are based on the alien civilizations exist and all that has come all these years with me. You're fading out again. Well, with psychology and uh, metaphysics. So I say we're based on metaphysics. We're the we're probably one of many metaphysical churches uh, that believe all world religions are none, if you want to say, or all one God are none. So it, it, it's sort of like that here either order or chaos, but we're born Americans, and we're going to say all things allowed by law, and we're going for our 501c3, which is in the United States just a tax bracket for our church, but, uh, you know, we're not making any money at this, folks, and you see all these great television evangelists, (laughs) Joel Osborne in Houston, for one, how they make all these millions of dollars, but they ask for it, so uh, we haven't been asking for money yet, so we'll look at how that's going to transpire because I've been paying the same amount to Blog Talk Radio since 2012, and they haven't gone up on me, so that's a blessing. But in order to get it out to the people, I have to pay Spreaker because they get it out to a lot of the distributing podcasts for me, so I pay another amount about the same over there. So, uh, you know, we can run a church for about 100 a month on right now if we're not trying to get out to a lot of people. But what we offer you is a way for you to join us and for us to know about you and who you are because we're hearing more and more about advertising, marketing, and uh, media and how it's headed towards the individuals. But they really don't want us gathering of any type, they really don't want us having a voting caucus of any type, and they sure look like they're going to put all over the world some kind of clamp down on gathering in the streets. But we don't want to be the type that are uh, doing anything not allowed by law. So make sure we've got that understood. However, you know, it, we're in a changing world. And we need to support each other. So I'm going to ask you to do your best to keep open source intelligence, creative commons, and the Internet open to everybody, that if they can get to it, 
And that's fixing to change. It has been changing from the Internet to the splinter net. And I'm doing my best to talk about cyberspace culture, Internet highway, and we're going to make it highways, and also keeping spirit in church and science and people that can have an open mind that there is a definite need for faith. And uh, it's like saying outlaw guns and only guns, only outlaws will have guns. It's like one of those things, uh, outlaw church, and <laughs> I guess only outlaws will have churches. So I don't know how we're going to say because so many people hate the word religion, but religion at one time was where in the world, and Richard could probably back me up better on this, but Back in the beginning when we just had clans and we were hunters and gatherers on this planet, all we had was each other. And then apparently beings of a higher source energy are uh, godlike beings that knew more than we did, whether they came in flying uh, Ezekiel wheels or not, according to the Bible, is they showed us how to take care of ourselves and how to make beer, and how to plant, and how to learn to, uh, later on with the archangels and the angels, many, many things. So I would think that Richard and I are going to do our best to keep open source and also culture and education with our faith, hope, charity, and love, unconditional love, and uh, all those Christed ones are all those ascended masters that have already passed over, and then the gods. But, you know, all the Abrahamic gods are God, even though they may not realize it, is all the same story that's been on earth before. <laughs> this is going to be hard for some people, but but for the uh, Bible that we go by in our generations – was ever written. There was many, many. So the Dead Sea Scrolls should prove that to most people. And I got to see some of those when they were touring, and I went to Savannah, Georgia to see them. That was close to you, Richard. You're not too far from Savannah, are you? No, about three hours east. Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls are uh, sort of a enlightening thought for academia to know that we had proof of Many more, even though we know of some that weren't in the Bible when Constantine came through. That And he, you know, Henry VIII is the one that really gets credit for leaving the Catholic Church, the one and only church separate from those people that had other world religions, but they called them like uh, pagans, I guess you'd say, or uh, Gnostics, although Gnostics were separate from the Christians. Back a long time ago, and uh, you know, before all the they had all the books. By the time Henry VIII wanted to, after he's been married and uh, married and married and beheaded and all that, people, he decided to have a different situation, and so did the king later. But uh, Constantine was given the credit for bringing so many of the scribes or the heads of their groups or cultures, if you want to call them 
preachers, fine pastors, but uh, brought some of them or enough of them, and then actually one or two gentlemen. I used to know the whole history and could recite this. That actually got the names, but it's been a while. If y'all remember, we wrote the uh, Ascension or Teresa of Ascension with Bill M. Tracer years ago, 2012 to 14, somewhere in there, when we were discussing all the world religions back then. But things uh, based on ancient wisdom is a is part of our, who we are. So we really can't ignore the Adamic face, and you know that is basically Judaism and Islam and Protestant and Catholicism, and you know we we talk about the older one is Hinduism. You hear a lot of the isms, but uh, we're accepting all that's been written as a, a thread or a track or a book of truth. Because so many people were taught only that in their culture. It's like when you're taught a certain culture and how to dress and how to speak and what to eat, and based on the color of your skin, it's best if you stay in a certain country, and everything that you are is based on your surroundings, you don't really get to go or make a way for yourself to learn about everything else around you. And that was very obvious to me when I was traveling the world and uh, jet setting, so to speak, plane jet to jet. And uh, the government was paying for it. Our attorney, rich attorneys were paying for it. So for me to find out information because I was an investigator in my late twenties and thirties and 40s, I went on to work for the government, started corporation and nonprofit. But I've had a big epiphany several times because I died in several times, and most people know that about me already too. So what I learned was everything that I could see and that I was allowed to see didn't make a lot of sense to me of why some people were starving in India or in Africa or other countries in America at one time, we thought, I've had Hollywood stars say they didn't know there were hungry people in America. And literally, I didn't know how hungry people could be till I spent 20 years in Kentucky and the hills of Kentucky and uh, got to see how people lived there. And so I spent many, many years of my life and started writing for the newspaper for some of the uh, stories, and they were true stories based on people's stories in the hills. And we also recorded music. That's how I got into the bluegrass and the old country music. Richard, that Ace Folk Life emblem and that brand and that logo that I display so prevalently everywhere is all based on knowledge that people added their own cultures where they lived, and it was very sad that they would be willing to let their land get poisoned by uh, chickens uh, because of the poultry, so many of the poultry farms, but they didn't have anything else really to look forward to, so they would put in huge poultry houses. I'm not talking against it because people eat chicken, you know, (laughs) Tyson and Purdue, (laughs) but that's what we had been brought to. So there's a lot of things that people 
don't understand, and we need to understand more about how the world and the people together around the world and what I'm proud to say the internet does is gives us a way to see outside ourselves in this world uh, more than we've ever had before. So I'm very thankful that I'm going to say God, source, has provided us a universal resource in communications. So therefore, I started American Communications Online. So now, Richard, it's your turn to talk for a few minutes or however long, based on the fact that you see I've, I've been all over the world, and I know you have, but you can see how important the Internet is. We couldn't even do this today, especially after COVID-19. So, you know, it is helping, don't you think, Richard? Oh, yes, most assuredly so. I mean, you know, um, I have a very um, – Strange background, to say the least. Uh, as far as religion goes, uh, I was raised Christian, raised uh, Roman Catholic, and then, of course, my family heritage stepped in, and so I was taught Druidism, witchcraft, and the arts of magic, and the occult, and all of this kind of thing. And then, of course, you know, the, the aliens interjected themselves for a few minutes, a few hours, however long it took, so they could put a tracking device in me, so they could find out or learn firsthand through the through my eyes and my emotions as to why people rejected other people so it was kind of like a rejection study so that that went on for about 30 years until finally the tracking device was removed and exactly how this tracking device submitted to them information that is beyond my intelligence or know-how um, but I was born gifted uh, with 14 senses, that's a sen an additional sense or clear sense, you could say, to all your five senses. And then I was also able to levitate and uh, use telekinesis, the ability to move objects with your mind, to read minds or thoughts of other people, and also to create what you would call spiritual fire in the palms of my hands, and to heal small illnesses such as cuts and scrapes and take away headaches and that kind of thing. So my perspective was very spiritual from the onset. From the instant that I was born, I was very much aware that I was connected to Source or Godhead or whatever we wish to call it. And so my perspective was always one of spirituality and looking out from the eyes of spirituality into all that I ran into, experienced, and so on and so forth. Um, so, I mean, I went from the Catholic school to the Christian school and another Christian school, and eventually, of course, uh, started studying divinity itself, which, of course, is the ideology of what we as mankind declare to be divine, what we see as godlike, or what uh, characteristics we presume to be godlike. And, of course, this was a very interesting study because, yes, it undertakes a great deal of knowledge. Um, the Egyptians were studied. Atlantis was studied uh, for what little information we do have on Atlantis. And then, of course, uh, there are all kinds of treatises um, and then, of course, I started entering into theology, which is the study of the relationship between God and man, or man and God. And so, as a result, I went on a venture and uh, got my hands on numerous, numerous apocryphal texts that are left out of the Bible, regardless of what Bible you mention. They all leave out at least some of the apocryphal, even the Eastern Orthodox. So, yes, there was a great rift with Constantine 
and uh, you know the the synods that went on and everything and divided the churches, one Western and one Eastern. And of course, religion has has been a doctrine and has been uh, a mainstay to a lot of people's lives because without faith, you have no hope. And without hope, you kind of uh, throw in the towel more or less on life itself and say, well, why am I here? And what am I doing? What am I accomplishing? So, you know, uh, religious understanding and faith plays a great role and, it, and, you know, prayer is right in there as well because prayer is nothing more than asking to be answered, asking to be heard. And that's what we're doing with the Internet. That's what we're doing in cyberspace. That's what we do as a community. That's what we do with one another. We are asking to be heard so that in turn, they in turn can give us a rebuttal or some kind of feedback as to our perceptions. And maybe our perceptions are a little off, or maybe our perceptions are more grandiose than theirs. Or maybe there's synchronicity between the two of us, and we share views, and we share information, and we share knowledge, and we share experiences. And so that's the great tribe of humanity. And yes, the, I mean, we have cultures uh, all in all different parts of the world. And of course, yes, there has been starvation, there have been plagues, there have been all kinds of sundry uh, traumatic events, volcanoes going off and destroying entire countries or entire civilizations, um, earthquakes, tsunamis, um, and all of these various uh, what you call reper- repercussions from nature herself. Why? Because mankind, for the most part, we have surfaced earth in a manner in which earth is not used to being surfaced. I mean, there's all kinds of blacktop, there's roadways, there's all kinds of different roads, there's parks, there's all kinds of different places. And of course, this is upsetting the natural balance between earth and her skin, you could say. Because yes, earth herself, Gaia, per se, is an intelligent being, and naturally she is very much aware of all that mankind does. And I'm not saying that she retaliates against us in a brutal form or is in, you know, intent on wiping us out, per se. Rather, in a manner of speaking, we are her children simply because in regards to our elemental selves, our physical being is comprised of the four elements, all of which are very basic to earth herself. And then, of course, you add spirit, and that is what animates us. That is what gives us our life. That is what perceives uh, for us all that we experience and all that we undertake, regardless of what it might be. So then in turn, you know, um, you move outward from that and uh, you get into religious science. And religious science, of course, is a study of the science of religion. In other words, if you break down religion and you take from it all of its belief systems and all of its belief or hierarchy in, in, in beings and all of this kind of thing and all of the, the essence of its credos, then in turn you put them to scientific tests and you say, okay, we want to know why is it that you believe this way and can it be proven? And if so, to what degree can it be proven? And then, of course, as a finality, you end up with metaphysics. And metaphysics is basically everything that is outside of science, yet comprised of science in its tenets from the aspect being that there is a base understanding of science itself, and yet there is also a combination of the understanding of spirituality. So metaphysics, in a manner of speaking, is kind of like a bridge between science and spirituality. And that's what our church is founded upon, and that is why we are greeting everyone and welcoming everyone, because there are, there, there are limitless concepts. There are no, uh, no taboos, no 
no hidden no hidden objectives, no um, credos per se, no biases, no prejudice. Uh, why? Because in reality, we are one family of man, and that's how we should interact and treat each other. That's just the, the true concept of it all. And so you see, uh, that's where we're coming from, and that's where I am coming from. I mean, I I have been. Uh, had so many numerous paranormal and supernatural and supernatural experiences in my life, I can't even count them all. Okay, but uh, like Teresa, I have also died and come back a few times. Um, uh, you know, I've danced with death and I've seen the other side and I've seen my perception of the face of God a few times. And of course, my perception of the face of God is probably going to be different than what you would perceive as the face of God, simply because we all have different beliefs that have been formed or formulated on our direct experience or the knowledge that we have been uh, indoctrinated into or come to know just because we assimilated it. Um, But it doesn't make us... It makes us all unique, and yet we also share one frame of reference and one body, in a manner of speaking, as a human a humanity itself, the human race. I mean, regardless of where, what your background is and so forth. Mine, of course, has been extremely varied because I'm a truth seeker, and so I have always sought the, the truth, regardless of what venue I happen to explore, whether it was government service, whether it was the law, whether it was law enforcement, whether it was religiosity, whether it was being a minister and in turn becoming an ordained bishop with the Egyptian Coptic Church uh, and all of these kind of things, every avenue or venue of knowledge that I could explore, I undertook it with a, with a passion. Why? Because I want to get to the absolute truth, which is basically kind of an impossibility, simply because there is no absolute truth. We only have theories uh, going back you know, to the Big Bang and even beyond that, if you get past the Big Bang, of course, the Big Bang only expl- explains how our universe itself was created. Well, we're only one of billions of universes, so you have to reach out and, and you reach out beyond the universes and then you get become on, into cosmic intelligence and cosmic uh, creation itself. And then you go back even farther and you get to the creation of source that created all things throughout creation, and who's, who knows or who can actually say how long it took. You know, now the Bible, of course, gives you a venue and says, well, okay, in seven days man was created and so was the earth. Well, does that apply to each and every planet in our galaxy? Does that apply to each and every universe within the cosmos? Does that apply to every cosmos? Does that imply and apply to all of creation itself? And I would say that in some simple ways, it's very true because there is uh, simplicity and there is cosmic law that transits and applies to all living beings regardless of where they are and regardless of what kind of lifestyle they have or regardless of what culture they're experiencing on what planet or in what given galaxy or whatever. We all share the the commonality of one creative source and that one creative source we have identified as unconditional love. And that unconditional love is universal from the aspect that it thrives and it transits through both in frequency and vibration throughout the entirety of creation because that unconditional love is also conscious. It has consciousness. So therefore, you're talking intelligence that has unconditional love. And of course, there is the force of creation itself, and creation itself is 
the wish or you could say a mental intent of that consciousness to create into physical being or physical reality any and everything it so chooses to create with an unlimited amount of energy and an unlimited amount of force that can be generated within itself. So other than that, I can't really tell you uh, what exactly God is. God is what you conceive them to be. Uh, I personally, of course, conceive, conceive there to be a pair, a mother and father God. And then beyond mother and father God, there is a creative source that is beyond definition, that is beyond words, uh, that is very simple, very loving, very uh, blissful. I mean, when I went to the other side, I did not want to come back. I felt harmony. I felt peace. I felt love. I felt calm. I felt serenity. I felt tranquility. I felt all of these things in an instant and it was just flowing through me and elevated my consciousness and elevated my frequency and my vibrations to an extent that I did not identify myself any longer as being human. And so, therefore, I objected to coming back here, even though I was told in no uncertain terms there were many things I had yet to accomplish. And this was the reason I was returned. Now, a lot of those things that I was to accomplish, of course, were to be involved in the service of others and that's where I'm at, and that's where I've come to be, regardless of how zigzagged and strange and unusual my path has been up till now. In observation, there is always the true theme of unconditional love through it all. Teresa? Yes, I'm right here. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I hear you fine. Well, I'm going to just be honest, folks, about the UFO part of me because anybody that knows me uh, thinks I'm a little strange. And when I was in the Navy, they'd say, tell her about Hangar 19 or tell her this or tell her that. So by the time I got into the Navy, and I wasn't talking about UFOs, but somehow they got into my reality. So I was just, uh, when I had been past life regressed, and the Navy paid for it with Dr. Lars Sturgis that somehow that got out because it followed me on my, uh, onto my, I was at Public Work Center, PwC Pearl Harbor, but I had also been at SyncPAC Fleet and would go over and get the, all the clearances and things. So I didn't want that to mess up my reality. So uh, just the fact that people were telling me things inside the government that was secret and that was the same year bob lazar was coming out i believe and uh i thought well it was all done with by the time he got out but that didn't happen so then of course we had the chariots of the god with eric von Donneken and him saying he didn't want his beliefs although he was a very strong believer in god and he spoke hebrew and he was detecting um the writing is actually when he started realizing who God was to Noah and uh, coming Moses uh, and coming from the mountain and the fire and you know Ezekiel's wheel and all of that. He didn't want his book about chariots of the gods to lead to a future of events that were like religions. I'm not so sure that I want this one to be a religion either, but we don't know how to say church of the people. Ohana, the gathering of the family, 
and my please my daughter because she believed in UFOs and extraterrestrials, Pastor Gigi, and uh, this passed over. But so did Carla Ruckert, and she preceded me in age in the 60s and was a channeler of Law of One with uh, Don Elkins and uh, what was McCarty's name? Don Elkins. Let me go find it. But she was, uh, I had past lives in Egypt. Apparently she did too. But she and I talked in Kentucky and uh, David Wilcox stayed at her house. And uh, David has picked up that story of Love One and passed it on to Corey Good and Corey Good and him and all the other Emory Smith. They've all talked about ascension in a different way. Uh, material was channeled by Raw and Humble Messenger of the Law of One, and they speak of that not as a religion, although L and L was Love and Light community. <laughs> so I don't know how many of y'all know about the so-called paranormal phenomena of it catching on and um, it was amazing even uh, Steven Spielberg's mother knew about it at her restaurant in California and some people came out there and Carla got to talk to her on the phone but uh, Carla Record got sick at the end and she was wanting to more help and my computer person in Kentucky uh, asked me and her to get together because he thought it was funny we both talked about aliens and UFOs and religion. <laughs> he found it a curious combination being a computer geek. <laughs> and he took care of both our computers in Owen, Owensboro because she was outside of Louisville, I guess. But somehow she'd gotten him and me and he had gotten him and me and uh, he thought it would be a good combination. So that's how me, my Carla Ruckert's story gets started is over books and uh, prayer. And she was Episcopalian and I was LDS, so, <laughs> and there were a lot of people in the UFO business following Latter-day Saints and the Joseph Smith story, but uh, by that time, I'd already remarried. My, I'd lost two husbands and was on my third with Thomas R. Morris, and that's where his grandpa was 109. I, it was his grandpa, not mine, but I told grandpa to keep up the church. He became a, a uncle in Kentucky, like Confederate what do they call it? Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, they made him a grand uh, colonel, colonel. <laughs> and that was thanks to all the people like Les Johnson and Jolene Johnson. That family is very up with all the people in Ohio County, Kentucky, and church. And Les actually gave the uh, sermon or the funeral for my husband. Uh, they It got all messed up, but it doesn't matter now. But... He, uh, it was Grandpa, and Tom was the son of a preacher man because Grandpa was a preacher and his sons were preachers. So my husband was at least fourth generation preacher. But he said, Grandpa, don't ask her that. Grandpa was over in the funeral home in Ohio County, but he asked me, and I already said, Grandpa, I'll do my best because he had followed me and everything I read, I wrote every week, and would send him the weekly paper. For the little Ohio County paper, and when he moved there, he asked, "You think I could write that?" I said, "Yeah, let's make a column called Things Change." And he liked that. Things change. I said, "Yeah." And of all people, you should know about. It. So I talked to him about it, and talked to him at the paper. And then the paper 
forget that guy's name. I think his name was Don. Uh, yeah, I think Don talked to uh, him. And Anyway, he was always a preacher, and he was a radio preacher, which I found that interesting that I became one. <laughs> so, you know, well, how do you know in the future if what one person wills forward in the church doesn't happen? But it did for me. So I've become a preacher, a pastor, if you will. And we're going to need more pastors helping people because these are very confusing times. So I call this the Ascension Age and this epoch in time. And with me dying and coming back and dying and coming back and Richard dying and coming back, we're Ascension Masters is the term in our culture, in our community, with also the uh, Christed ones and those of the heavens came. And then we have Ascended Masters. They're some of the great leaders that have come to this planet of many different world religions. So, you know, I do claim to be a Christian because I believe in Christ and I believe he walked the earth. We lost you. Okay. So, it's going to be each person has their own path. And so, mine was metaphysical. And so I, I would say I'm more of a Christian mystic. And so was Carla. We never gave up, but we believed in extraterrestrials and UFOs. So, But people, because of the mindset, the way we had debunked with uh, J. Allen Hynek, who I met, and also asked me to keep up the faith of his work when he met me, and uh, he didn't even have a... They didn't have money by the time he met me to keep it going. He was already done the blue book and all that by the time I met him. So, uh, 85, 86. And then he passed in 86. So, uh, Carla Ruckert and J. Allen Hynek and Stanton Friedman, if they could form a world religion, <laughs> I guess that would be the Ascension Age and the Ascension Center. Our Ascension Church Ohana, uh, one of education, of raising consciousness, and being about all universes and cosmology. And uh, I watch uh, some people in the Empyrean and those that believe, like Pythagoras and that math, it's almost like they say they're not a religion, but the way they're doing Hyperionism is very much a ism. <laughs> but I like to follow. All one, two. So everybody has their leading back to their origin or their origin. And so my ace folk life was all about ancient origins, okay? Ancient culture origins, ergo ACO, and an Ascension Center organization was the first federal ID with the ACE Folk Life Federal ID. So we have federal ID numbers for both those. And ACO, because it was online, and we kept figuring out, I'd go to the IRS in Kentucky and Owensboro and try to figure out what we were doing and if we were going to have to tax us online or how much the county. But there was no expense, really, to the county, and uh, we were helping the county by having events, you know, helping the people. So they said we, we got an automatic federal of uh, you know uh, 501c3 and I asked the lady how she said you just tell them we said so that was for a folk life ascension center organization but things have changed since then that was uh, early 2000s 
for the ACO, and uh, everybody was I just asked them if they wanted to be in our little club, and we would do little a lot of different uh, websites, blogs. Everybody was doing them, and now they've pretty much fallen away. But uh, for a while, I wrote for American Chronicle, American News Magazine, which was mine, and we had a whole bunch of stories out all over the place. And then we wrote for UFO Digest out of Canada, so we kept a lot of articles out there. And uh, when we started, we didn't have hardly anybody online with a UFO group. Uh, we had MUFON, and we had uh, NICAP uh, CUFO, Central for UFO Studies, and we had uh, uh, George Filer and Filer's Files. Now, that's how we met Susan that came on the show. Not Suzanne Wyman. She's through the Ace Folklife. Her husband's well-known artist. And then that was uh, oh, in entertainment we had uh, uh, Tara Freeze and uh, what's his first name? Stan off of Hee Haw, and they're very spiritual and uh, have an entertainment agency. Uh, Richard. And so it's all it's all encompassing, educational, informational, entertainment. But Sundays pretty much talk with you know the historical archives here in America because the story is going to move forward. And then you came in and gave it life again because I was pretty much ready to just get off a of radio, and you fell in line with do you know that was not the church Richard do you know what it was no by all means do tell UAP Associates there you go did you ever look at that or study that or you want to tell people tell them about your history we don't have our history on here other than we both somehow found each other on LinkedIn which I don't even know how you found out about LinkedIn. I was told about LinkedIn by ABC Television when they came to film me and uh, sent their crew. They had me uh, filmed for uh, Life Swap, and I was going to be the psychic, so they filmed me being a psychic. <laughs> they didn't use it, though. But go ahead, tell me your story. Well, I mean, you know, I went on LinkedIn. I've probably been on LinkedIn over 15 years now, roughly speaking. So that just goes to show how long LinkedIn has been around. And basically, I was invited by uh, one of the producers to create a profile and was told that, you know, by creating a profile, I would in turn create a network. Now, of course, I have garnered probably about, I don't know, 3,700, 3,800 people that are all colleagues in regards to different walks of life, in regards to different fields of expertise in regards to different fields of interest. Um, and of course, I came across your profile and I said, well, darn, she's very unique, so I need to I need to get to know her. But when you get inundated, which is very, very a, what you'd call an occupational hazard when you're working media or become involved in various websites on the web, on the internet, um, you tend to get bombarded by all kinds of different emails and all kinds of different personalities and so on and so forth and as one individual of course you can only amalgamate maybe 50 people a day if you can even do that and of course if you do that it's only a brief hello how you doing or you know how's life treating you and that kind of thing 
And then, of course, occasionally there would be a more serious dialogue, you know, in regards to some kind of project they have going and, or, or in regards to some kind of business they had going. And so that was the main pitch to me with LinkedIn is that you could barely advertise your business and what you were into and actually advertise products and, and so forth that you were selling. And, of course, it would go out into a broadcasted net of a great many professionals, and therefore you would automatically have somewhat of a database of persons that might be in line to buy whatever it was you were selling. And, of course, uh, I had gone through um, Euphoria, which is basically a DNA-based um, nutrient system that is derived uh, chemically directly from your DNA, and it's all kinds of nutrients and things of that nature. And like a lot of businesses, unfortunately, uh, they started out at the, you know, the common man price, and then all of a sudden, you know, they boosted their price due to who knows what. You know, I mean, they may have had a logical reason for more scientific research that had to be paid for, or whatever, whatever it might be. So then I switched from that, and I had always been involved with CBD oil simply because um, my physical condition. At that particular time, I was barely surviving on a pain threshold simply because I had extreme lower back pain, and I found that by taking the CBD oil sublingual, it eliminated the back pain completely. Now, of course, jumping forward, I've already had back surgery, and fortunately, that, that series of pains is, for the most part, gone. But I got into CBD oil, and then, of course, I was talking to various psychics, and I was talking to various psychiatrists, and I was talking to psychologists, and I was talking to metaphysicians, and I was talking to all kinds of different people that, like yourself, had become prominent in a particular project area or in a particular theme, per se, in life, in that, you know, they had followed, uh, they had dedicated themselves to this particular area, and they had become experts in that area and so forth. And so they, they, they grew, and I held a great deal of esteem for them, you know. And then, of course, uh, later on, um, when Facebook uh, started developing and so forth, of course, it became interesting as an experiment, more or less, because you created a profile on Facebook, and, of course, Facebook limits you to a, a maximum of 5,000 friends. And I had gone through thousands of friends. Um, I never really got to the 5,000 level, but then, of course, you see there's all kinds of hidden rules and hidden agendas within Facebook. Not that I'm downing the man, but at the same time, uh, it's very true. I mean, people get put in Facebook jail and are not allowed to post and are not allowed to even make responses to their friends and so forth, which is kind of crazy. But they have a strict retinue as to what can be talked about and what cannot. And if you happen to go outside of that retinue or you happen to hit a baseline in that retinue, then, of course, you come up on the radar electronically, and that's where they basically um, say, well, you know, you've done something that is not within our community standards, and the next thing you know, they delete your profile. And this has happened to me after I had a profile for 15 years. And during that 15 years, naturally, I've made thousands and thousands of friends all over the world. So now, of course, I have restarted and basically had to start from scratch. But you also learn that in cyberspace, uh, anyone can be anyone, unfortunately, or fortunate as the case may be. So you have to be very discerning as to who is genuine and who is not. And, of course, uh, ironically, I would say that God put you, Teresa and I, together uh, simply because she was moved to merge me with a phone call with two already interjecting friends on the same call, and there was a great deal of 
diversity and controversy that acquired or happened thereafter, and yet at the same time, there was kind of like an inner calling, like saying, okay, I already know this lady. I can't tell you from where, but I already know this lady. Maybe it's from past lives. Maybe, who knows? Maybe we've done something on a spaceship somewhere at some point in time. I don't know. All I know is that my spirit was saying, I have to help this lady in some way. And I don't know why I'm being called, but I am being called. And so that's why we're here now. And my story, uh, yeah, it's, it's speckled all over, the, all over the planets and all over the, you know, the, the diatribe of all kinds of different things simply because um, I'm a seeker of truth. And as a seeker of truth, you get led into all kinds of different places and you become initiated in all kinds of different traditions and you get, you know, you just quest for knowledge and quest for knowledge. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, I have doctorates in theology and divinity and religious science and metaphysics simply because I have sought the truth all of my life. And by seeking the truth in actuality, that has also benefited a great many because as I'm seeking the truth, I also attract persons that are being in unjustly treated. So then in turn, that spun me around and said, okay, well, all right, let me become an expert in law and let me become an expert in civil law. Let me become an expert in criminal law, not to the degree of becoming a lawyer per se, but instead becoming an investigator with the tact and the know-how to interact in courts of law and also with judges and also with attorneys and to interact with them as providing them services and also interact with them in providing knowledge and perspectives of cases they are about to hear of these persons that were being treated unjustly. And then I became a client advocate for the public defender's office. And that was my job. I went and I interviewed persons in jail to determine whether in fact they needed a lawyer or not. And then this led later to my interaction with the Army, and I became a member of the JAG Corps, the Judge Advocate General Corps. And basically, I was advising attorneys again as to what articles and regulations to use in resolving specific case matters that had come up within their purview. And uh, I was also the company clerk, and I was a specialist with about five uh, regular individuals. Um, that basically helped us keep up with the articles and the regulations that changed on a daily basis. So, I mean, if you were to attempt to put them all together, you would be talking of thousands and thousands of pages, which is why we kept them in hundreds of files. And so we were all, you know, given the, the retinue, basically. And, of course, I was very highly trusted by our colonel, the company commander. And, um, you know, he, he and I often spoke. Um, and then, in turn, uh, I became involved with the Coptic Church, and I created a church seminary in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. And as I did so, then in turn I became ordained over the phone by Anubis Januda, who, who was in fact what you would call the Egyptian Pope, while he was under house arrest in Egypt. And he ordained me over the phone, which I'd already been ordained previously by uh, the person that he in turn ordained as an archbishop. So I'm a bishop in the Holy See of the United States, and of course I am founder of the First Combined Coptic Church, uh, which is in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now I, of course, need to go back to Louisiana and touch with the roots and see what's going on with all that, if in fact it just became defunct and ceased and desisted, but I am the one whose name is on the state licensure, saying that yes, this is a church that was founded on X date back in the 80s, okay? Um, 
I've had numerous encounters with all kinds of different beings. Uh, some of them are alien intelligence complete, uh, such as the Pleiadians and the Andromedans and all of these kind of folks. I have been directly submitted or uh, experienced uh, flying saucers above the tree line. So I've had what you would call a, uh, a encounter of the third kind on numerous occasions. I have also witnessed people that were basically being controlled by a third-party source completely mentally so that the person would give out their message and their message alone. And then after the presentation, they were asked questions, and you could tell that their consciousness was not within their body, so therefore they could not answer the questions. So that was a rather bizarre experience too. But I have met all kinds of different personalities, both Hollywood stars and starlets, I have been involved in uh, communicating with them on various levels in various degrees. Uh, I also was uh, a, a member of the Wizards Bookstore or the Wizards Bookshelf, and that collected a whole lot of very, uh, what you would call, eccentric personalities that delved very deeply into a lot of the arcane arts. And so as a result, I, I have also delved very deeply into the arcane arts and I consider myself to be very well-read and very well-experienced in that, including up to and including the rites of exorcism, which, again, I was taught by uh, clergy, and that was passed on to me. Uh, I have done all kinds of paranormal investigations. Um, I have resolved situations um, where basically spirits needed to be set free by crossing them over into the light or onto the bridge that goes between this reality and the next, or in turn uh, delivering on their behalf various messages that they needed to get to relatives so that relatives would know where things were or know of situations that needed to be resolved immediately. Um, I, would, I am a channeler. I do automatic writing. I read the tarot. Uh, I read the runes. I have also delved into the I Ching. Um, there, like I said, I have, de I have delved into probably every prospectus or area of study in regards to metaphysics. And it's because of that that I have a, a grand knowledge and a grand uh, level of experience that probably a lot of people wouldn't have because uh, they are more focused intentionally on their everyday lives, where I have the freedom of being to allow myself to receive and entertain all of these various things. I mean, I've been in two places at one time. I do remote viewing. I do psychic impressions. I, I read energy. I do uh, Reiki healings. I do all kinds of different mystical things that uh, most people would not even consider undertaking, um, only because, like I said, uh, my passion is to seek the truth. And I am guided uh, by all kinds of spirit guides. I have an entourage of what you would call gods and goddesses that keep me in line or, or keep me informed or, you know, give me guidance and wisdom when, it, when, when it's needed and so on and so forth. And I am very blessed and consider myself to be very blessed, simply as Teresa has said. I have died and come back at least three times and uh, different circumstances and situations, uh, you know, and this broadens your perspective because it allows you to have a spiritual focus that precedes everything else that happens to you and it changes it changes you inside it changes you mentally it changes you emotionally it changes you it changes your heart center 
It changes how you look at other people and how you have learned over time that you don't judge people. You only judge the actions that people undertake. Because naturally, with actions, we have to make a decision. Are we going to react to that action or are we going to step aside and allow that action to go by us? So it's wrong to judge people simply because you have no way of knowing what path they have followed, what they have tread in their shoes. Even if you're an an empath like myself and many others, you can step into their shoes for a momentary moment, but you have no way of remaining there in order to understand all that has transpired in their lives, only in the recent past. And so you can't judge people because when you judge people, you're judging yourself. And that's why uh, Christ himself said, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And, of course, we judge ourselves far harsher than any God would ever do. And that's why I stipulate that God, in my perception, is unconditional love. It is a love that sustains us all, and it has no quarter for judging us because it gave us free will. And because we have free will, we have the choices to do whatever it is we will. But now, at a crucial point in history, which we now come to the end of a third Kali Yuga, which is approximately 500,000 years, all right? And each of these 500,000 years previously, mankind had gotten to the same point that he's at now, and that is the choice of ascension, okay? Whether you will change vibration and frequency and expand your knowledge and awareness to become the most true and authentic part of yourself or expression of yourself that you can be, or whether you will allow yourself to be robotically controlled to us to some extent in the third dimensional world and so that's where we're at now and this is why there is a lot of chaos and a lot of turmoil because uh you could say the the fight between the light and the darkness is finally as an end and the light is one but not a lot of people know that the light is one they're they're still you know programmed to believe uh through paranoia or through control mentally and so forth that you know the the darkness is still alive and well and yes it is but it no longer poses a threat it once did okay and i mean granted granted this is a great statement to make and it should uh, instill enthusiasm in you simply because you can now understand fully that the light has won in other words the the essence of god unconditional love has overtaken all of the darkness, and the darkness has been repelled or the darkness has been cocooned so that in turn it can be upraised to the point of recognizing that they are balanced as a given individual perceiving themselves in both light and darkness because you cannot have light without a speck of darkness just as you cannot have darkness without a speck of light. The two have evolved and have created themselves in a manner of speaking. And so, you know, you can see people that are completely taken down by darkness because, you know, they get into drug addiction and alcoholism and all of these different things. And they become, you know, very repressed and they become very paranoid and they become very depressed. Okay. And uh, it's, it's like learning lessons in a humongous school. Okay. And we are all of the same class of beings that are undertaking all of these various lessons within this grandiose school. And of course, there has to be the hidden knowledge of the running of the school. Who is running the school? And why is the school being run? And how is it being run? And what lessons are they that, that we must learn? And of course, this is volumes and volumes and volumes of knowledge simply because 
each of us are very unique, and therefore we each design the lessons that we learn for ourselves. And that in turn, these lessons lift us up and make us more and more true to our authentic selves, which we are immortalized spiritual beings. We live in multidimensional realities. In other words, we don't just traverse the 3D world in which we get presented with on a daily basis. We also traverse numerous other dimensions. When we go to sleep, we travel to the astral plane commonly. We do a lot of things in our sleep that we are not even consciously aware of when we awaken. So then the question comes up, well, which reality is the more true? And that's a very valid question, to which really there is no answer because they both provide us truth and they both provide us experience. And from this, we garner knowledge, and the knowledge in turn becomes wisdom. And it's wisdom that we seek, and it's wisdom that we're after. But yet at the same time, I have learned through various paths that I have followed, such as Taoism, such as Zen, such as Vajrayana Buddhism, okay? These have all enlightened me or basically shown unto me perspectives, knowledge, and wisdom that I did not have before. And that's, by that means, I became enlightened to understand on different things on different levels, to understand the gravity of some things and the lightness of others. And then in turn, uh, you know, it changes your perspective. And this is what we're all about. We're about helping people to change their perspectives and understanding so that they grasp who they truly are. And from that point, they can function on all other levels because they have that understanding. And this erases any and all kinds of threats. It erases any and all kinds of fear. It erases uh, any and all kinds of difficulties to a large extent. It will even erase illness and disease because illness and disease basically are when we become uh, diseased with our spiritual selves. And our spiritual selves will reach out and reach out, try to connect with us and say, hey, look, you know, you need to do this different or you need to learn this and so on and so forth. And we, when we ignore our spiritual selves, then in turn it creates disease which comes up in the body because the body is also in harmony with the spirit because it's the spirit that's causing or creating and controlling the body. So I, pr I practice integrative medicine. I practice holistic medicine. I practice energetic medicine. And these are all forms and all of these different psychic gifts and so forth, everyone has. You see, we are all equals, okay? No one's better or worse. There is no higher. There is no lower, okay? Yes, there are thousands and thousands of titles, of which I probably have hundreds, okay? But it's not so much the title. It's the experience and the knowledge and the wisdom that was gained in the earning of that title that counts. That is what counts. The ability to reach out humanely with all of your heart and all of your spirit to another given individual and say, hey, you know, you don't have to be so down. You don't have to be so negative. You don't have to uh, grasp at straws because you can create a far better reality for yourself. The only thing you have to do is reach inside because within us is the very life force that creates creation itself. And that's where I come from. That's, that's the being, that's the center of my core. Yes, I've gone through many changes and I've done many things. Uh, I've been a bounty hunter. I've been a personal protective officer. I have directed security for a naval hospital. I have been frontline security in an Air Force base. I've been frontline security Air, Air Army bases overseas. I have done all kinds of things, okay? 
Uh, yes, some of it is covered under Secrecy Act. Uh, some of it is wide open uh, to interpretation. Uh, I have been, been involved in all kinds of investigations that ended corruption in all kinds of different circles in all kinds of different ways. But again, that is me because I have always sought the truth, you see. And in seeking the truth, you basically are there to unwind and find out what is making something happen. And when you understand what is making something happen, you then have the ability to change what is happening into something different. And this is what ascension is all about. Ascension is the inner knowing that first and foremost, you are immortal and you are a divine being. Okay, You were created perfect. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you spiritually. It is the body that reflects the spirit at times. And if the spirit becomes troubled, the body becomes troubled as well. And so from this perspective, we are teaching ascension. And yes, all the mystery schools and all of the ancient knowledge and all of our forebears that have gone forward and created ufology and alienology and all of these different studies and paranormal investigations and paranormal subject matter and supernatural subject matter. And I mean, obviously, we have been entertained by this because we've created movies and we've had authors of books like Stephen King that Teresa mentioned earlier. The man is brilliant. He has written humongous novels that just suck you into an entirely different reality. And that's what movies do for us. They entertain us. They create a uh, means by which we can direct our consciousness to follow another storyline, even though the storyline itself is mainly imaginary. It may, for the most part, it has not come to pass or it has not actually happened. But the interesting thing is, you can look back over all of Hollywood's interactions with movies and series and so forth, and there is actually a, th a thread of truth that transits through them all. Because what was yesterday's belief is today's actuality. So that, again, demonstrates that we are fully capable of changing our environment. We are fully capable of changing our reality. It is a matter of will and a matter of understanding that you have the will and the ability to do so. Very good. <laughs> well, we can share that there is uh, mysticism, and we're going to talk about unification, unity, and diversity. And so there's a part of our ascension that a lot of people look at because it's mysterious. And uh, J. Allen Hynek called it high strangeness. And in the religious uh, Catholicism, you know, there's the three-path fold. And uh, one of the big things about the purification traditionally among Christian mystics is uh, it focuses on discipline, how you take your human body and emphasize prayer at certain times. And they have that in the Muslims three times or five times a day. I don't even know. I've uh, forgotten. <laughs> forgotten more than I can remember anymore, folks. But there's certain postures and the way you stand or kneel or emphasize when you're uh, doing things. And uh, some people believe in it, spiritual and corporeal, are feeding or the hungry or sheltering the homeless. So a lot of our churches have taken on that role, especially the Catholic Church and a lot of the Protestant Christian churches. But, uh, you know, they can't feed everybody. So the government and our governments, you know, we, we want the government to help. But it's not the government so much as all the corporations and Big Brother and the way that we think of unification of how to 
contemplate how all the money in the world is spent. But, you know, my daughter always said Jesus pays the bills, but that's mystical contemplation prayer that a lot of people from that uh, law of attraction, and they say God didn't make no trash, but yet the law of attraction and how we make our own abundance. But the Western tradition is you go out and get a job and pay for your food, clothing, and shelter. But Right now, the whole world is hurting for those jobs. So that is what, you know, we are here to keep the faith and the hope and, you know, our meditations and how an integrative medicine will have all these characteristics of our church of God and that God has no religion. So that's transforming. So we're going to adapt, uh, you know, prayer and meditation into our way of being and so i hope all of you will do that individually and so you don't have a problem bowing your head in prayer in a group and uh, meditation a moment of silence for those that have passed or those that are less fortunate and now we have aesthetic practices and i'm going to lay these out for you because it's real simple but it's not uh uh well thought of uh, I'll talked about for mystics but you know uh, there was a metaphor for how we uh, talk to people like Jesus and how Jesus prayed right he said he told us how our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the, uh, the for thine is the power. Let's see, what is it, Richard? Power, glory. Thine is the thine kingdom, is the kingdom and, the and the power and the, glory. and the glory forever. There you go. Yeah. I forgot kingdom. I had to sing it myself and say, "In the kingdom and the power <laughs> forever." Amen. So those threefold power, kingdom, and glory. Now there's sensory experiences that especially us mystics have with our visions. And is that a clear audience? And clear audience is hearing, but uh, clear the clairvoyance is seeing. Is yes, that clairvoyance vision? is seeing. Yes, clairvoyance is seeing. So we talk a lot in the mystical sense of our Ascension-centered church as we believe in divine miracles, and we believe in the mystics that are mystics, oracles, psychics, sages, seers, shaman. And now the uh, ecstasies is where they, they have the religious ecstasies that are common, like among American Indians or certain shaman that have been immortalized. And the ecstasy of religious or ingestion uh, that's more of a physical transformation. They ingest or inhale something that uh, will change your senses. But a lot of times you'll see the miracles happen uh, that aren't of that, like out-of-body or near-death experiences. You can be shocked spiritually out of your body, and these are miracles in a sense. In other sense, I've been taken many times, but most mine's been close to death or my body physical, uh, you know, when I had hepatitis as a child, uh, I had hepatitis A, and it affected my liver real bad, so I passed then, and then when I had my fourth child, placenta previa, and then when my husband died, it was emotional shock that shocked me out of my body. So we can have different types of death and dying, but we come back 
like bodhisattvas in the Buddhist religion. It's really not a religion. I guess it's a theosophy or a philosophy. They don't claim it, but we we say. But we do say Hinduism. But I don't, uh, Buddhist or Buddhism, you know, they believe more of a conscious consciousness. So, but I won't go there for right now. But the physical transformation you can have in appearance or the stigmata, you know, where you'll have maybe some. Uh, people that really believe that Christ is crucified, that's used in a lot of movies, and they receive like Francis of Assisi or Padre Pio, but, you know, transformation or odor of the sanctity, or we, we use a lot of odors, and I've noticed whenever angel, an angel would be around me, I'd get the smell of sandalwood, and I couldn't see their presence, and uh, but I could feel them medic, med, talking. So meditatively speaking, it's good for me to have candles and incense, and I burn one or the other. I don't usually burn both, uh, but I haven't been in any rituals lately either. So you know, we're going to do all that's good and heavenly and helps you to purify yourself and to be more illuminated. Uh, because that's a good thing when we talk about the light, and we do mean your wisdom, your higher self, your higher soul, your over soul, and how you work directly with the ascended masters like Christ, Jesus, for all y'all Christians out there. That was all I knew. I didn't know for many, many years until I met Baba G, and he was a, a bodhisattva type of person that could come and go at will and still does in my life, and it gives me chills. But uh, he teaches me. He's one of my teachers that I've channeled in the past, and that's part of how I got to know the Ascended Masters and became an Ascension Master through spiritual uh, dying and being told I was going to come back and help everybody and keep the story going as a uh, keeper of the flame in this reality. So we claim our words because words and deeds and thoughts are things, and we don't know what the future holds with those beings around us, but many of them are angels. Many of them are beings. They're spirits. There can be good and bad, both, depending on what they've come here to talk. Many say they're angels or messengers, but there's all types of mystical practices in Christian mysticism that a lot of people uh, that are really not educated in uh, Christian religions and and, uh, maybe in the Baptist, Methodist, or some of the standards, because I know my sister wound up being Methodist and believes all you have to do is believe in Jesus and you'll be saved by faith alone. So, you know, to each his own when you go up there. And my husband had told me you could see the script, and many other people, I think even Richard said, you can see it. Now, when I worked with extraterrestrials outside the quadrants of Andromeda and Milky Way galaxy, whether you want to believe that or not, are there beings that come and go in our psyche, in our soul, in our consciousness? And for many, many ancients and many, many thousands of years, only they would only – beings of extraterrestrial nature or those from the heavens came or the angels or the watchers or whoever else you want to say they are, depending on the stories you read. Those that we know we cannot see or that they come in a light or or being or extraterrestrial uh, flame or just a ball of light or open up a portal, they've never stopped seeing people on this planet. It's just 
for years and years and years, all the people that were in the power to run the countries around the world and the governments with the churches, and we're including the Vatican and Rome, they didn't want people to know how much was really out there. But they did want to keep up, and they would usually make people of spiritual uh, something saintly, or like John of the Cross. He has Dark Night of the Soul and uh, La Noche Oscura del Alma, but it's a poem written in the 16th century. But the Dark Night of the Soul got adopted not just as a poem, but as the way we talk about when we reach our lowest ebb of, of our human reality. But then you compare it to his other two books, uh, Ascent of Mount Carmel, all right? But uh, just think about people that have come before in Christian mysticism. That have, We use it a lot in our ascension age, and those are the ascended masters and the archangels. And the more you deal with it, it's like uh, it becomes part of who you are. But you have to really own your faith. You have to own hope. It's like if you were buried underground, let's say you were a coal worker, coal miner, which we still had in Kentucky, and the and the coal mine caved in on you. And the only ones that would come out would be those of faith. They really believed they were going to come out, and those that had no faith didn't. They gave up. They gave up the ghost. So it really depends on when you want to give up the ghost a lot of times, but – Sometimes the ghost is not completely out of you. So the ghosts that we talk about, and even people can see them, may have gotten shocked out of their systems. And we work with sacred tourism, sacred sites. But right now, due to COVID-19, I haven't been able to talk much about sacred sites. But Richard and I have been talking about maybe bringing on some people that work with the spirits on paranormal saturdays so we'd like to know what y'all think and richard and i were doing anytime you put psychic readings up here people this church is based on two psychics right here we're wearing a thousand hats but we're mages we're psychics we're ascended masters but we're called ascension masters because we're choosing to help in the ascension process in the ascension age here with all those extraterrestrials and all those beings that have claimed uh, their ascension and they're much more powerful than we are with their spirit, with their ghost. They have much more power of coming and going into their physical reality. And this is the part that's been hidden for probably thousands of years, at least a couple of thousand, because this is 2120. So 2020 was all about the change after the 12-21-12 and bringing in 12-21-20 or 12-12-20 or even Richard and I coming together, and he claimed 2-21-21, I think, uh, is his date of being or existing in this church. But this church is its own entity. It's uh, energy that you personally can help create and be a part of that is all-encompassing of the all-one and the all-source and the all-energy. And we're going to go into the conscious ether of not just the essence. Now, let me explain to you that the essence and the energy that you are can be an individual part of the all-encompassing essence and ether. 
of the creation of all things that were before even the Big Bang. So this is something in the World Science Festivals and all the smartest, brilliant people in academia are realizing and recognizing there has to be more than a little something that just burst out like the Big Bang. But they're agnostic about it. Richard, you know what I'm talking about? Because you and I, with all the people that have a, a, a knowing that it's not just science and religion separated anymore with uh, the way they kept it, like Democrats and Republicans, it's not just two anymore. But you know, the philosophy and the theosophy and the metaphysics of all cosmology, and that cosmos just meant the order of the planets, basically meant order. So we're going above cosmology and we're embracing chaos. So in the beginning, the one thing that everybody can agree on energy was something, and that something we call <laughs> – some call it zero or minus one now. It's as close as I can see the brilliant people that are getting the Nobel Prizes are talking about, and I try to keep up with the uh, lingo and all the various uh, world cultures as long as they speak English in science, but I know we're going out there where we came from in space, and I've worked with a lot of those beings that have different titles, and all that's all they are, because I've had them. We don't have to bow to them. Uh, they come and go in our lives. Uh, they may be a gold light, a portal open in space, a portal open in front of you, and they come and go, and they always have. But some of them come and go in shuttles, uh, like Star Trek, are the shows we've seen, and that's why they've been in uh, movies and the people that brought them to us. Richard, can you jump in here for a while? It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodness. My, what a grandiose door you have opened indeed. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, the scientists of today... The greatest minds are all focused on quantum physics, okay? And quantum physics believes that if you can radiate your frequency and your vibration to a certain illumined point, that you will reach the zero point in which all reality actually comes to a juncture of complete and utter freeze. In other words, it's like everything comes to nothingness from the aspect being that all energy is swirling around, but yet not encompassing the zero point itself. And so by reaching this zero point, you have actually reached out to the creative source of all that is, simply because uh, that is the, the general belief that out there somewhere in creation, there is a creative source that was always in existence long before the Big Bang and long before universes were created and so on and so forth. Now, I personally, yes, I have been visited by the Council of Nine. I have been visited by the Council of Twelve. I have been visited by what I would call the Golden Ones because they're about 12, 14 feet tall and they are nothing but golden energy. That is all that they are. And I mean, yes, you can just you can see basically the outline of a, some kind of physical structure, but the energy itself is so overwhelming that it's the energy you perceive more than the being themselves, and they're very tall beings. And they come and, and they help with uh, healing. They help with 
what we would call downloads or attunements, where basically there are things within the body, such as your DNA. The strands can be activated from three strands to 12, from 12 to 15. And if needless to say, when all of these strands are activated, again, the physical body becomes harmonious with the spiritual body. So you could say, in a manner of speaking, the spirit begins to overlay the physical self to even a grander degree than the resonance that dwells within our hearts. So basically, that is a form of transformation and transmutation. I mean, I've had lots of different uh, archangels visit me. I've, I've visited with Mikael or Michael, uh, Gabriel or Gabriel, uh, Uriel, um, Raphael quite frequently since he has the emerald light of healing. Um, I've also had inter interactions with St. Germain of the violet flame, and the violet flame, of course, is the one that transmutes and transforms from a spiritual aspect. And we need to understand that what happens in the spiritual realm takes time to basically download into the physical realm. So in other words, you could actually have a vision saying, well, you see yourself uh, going into the bank and it appears that now you're a millionaire and you're having this vision, okay? And then you come out of the vision and you go to the bank and of course, unfortunately, you're not a millionaire. That's because the vision that you saw is in a spiritual timeline that takes a while to gradiate down into physicality, okay? So when you're at this zero point, it is claimed, and I have known people that have told stories and written articles and so forth, where they have experienced what we would call instant manifestation. Now, it is not common, okay, simply because you have to radiate at a frequency and vibration far above what we would consider to be normal in human consciousness. But once you ascertain the zero point, you are within the flux and the flow of creativity and creation itself. And therefore, any and everything is possible, and any and everything can be manifested instantaneously because you are outside the frame of time. You are outside the frame of reality and all the controls of reality as we normal per normally would perceive them or normally interact with them. So if you reach the zero point, which any and everyone is is fully capable of reaching the zero point, just like any and everyone is, is fully capable of developing all their psychic senses if they so choose to give themselves permission to develop the same, okay? The techniques and the reasons behind them are a little bit complex in understanding, but they're also very simple in truth, okay? And it's the truth that wins the day, and that's why I have always been a truth seeker. But anyway... Getting back to the subject matter at hand, okay? This zero point in quantum mechanics or quantum physics stipulates that this is when all creation can be created over again. And obviously this has been done at least once to our gradients because naturally we go around and we've got trees that are three, four hundred years old. We've got mountains that have been tested and show you know, even millions of years old. We find bones at the bottom of the sea that, again, are millions of years old. So it's obvious that the earth on which we stand and on which we create our civilization is also at least millions, if not billions, of years old. I mean, they do carbon, carbon dating all the time, and they take radioactive isotopes even into uh, the Antarctic and so forth, and they have made great discoveries of things that are billions and billions of years old and obvious, obvious Oftentimes, they are not of this earth, okay? So the intervention of 
aliens, extraterrestrials, angels, archangels, uh, enlightened beings, or beings of light that in turn have interacted with us. That has been ongoing for a very, very long time throughout the entire history of mankind and probably beyond that even, okay? Simply because, um, you know, other beings get curious as to how mankind is doing. Other beings want to reach unto us from a, from a status of help or assistance, okay? Why? Because we pray all the time and we're asking for God's divine intervention. Well, if you consider God as being the ultimate creator, Naturally, there are beings down through, down through the hierarchy of creation that radiate at a great, more magnificent, energetic form than we do, that have a great deal more intelligence than we do, that have a great more technical affluence than we do in regards to manipulating devices that in turn can harmonize us in a lot of different ways. So when I speak of downloads, I'm talking like information downloads that come directly from into your spirit that in turn, of course, are shared from your spirit into your human consciousness. Because all of these downloads, they're called downloads because they're coming from a source in intelligence far above your own, and naturally they have to be downgraded in order for you to understand them. So therefore, you know, the, the, the download happens, and then in turn you start changing aspects and virtues and, and perceptions and, and perceive things far differently than you did before simply because of these downloads that you have asked for through prayer, okay? So prayer is a very, very excellent tool because words themselves are very, very powerful. And when words are expressed with emotion, it is very, very powerful indeed, okay? Then you put an intent, a direction for which the words and the emotions are to travel to create a change, a very specific change, say in one person's life or say in the whole life, all the lives of a community or all the lives of a continent or all the lives that are here with the heartbeats of the earth. You know, that's 8 billion people, roughly speaking, give or, give or take a few million, okay? And so that's a lot of people. Now, we all radiate our own personal consciousness, okay? So when I speak, I'm speaking to your higher self, and I'm speaking to your higher mind, I'm speaking to your higher heart, and at the same time, of course, I'm coming across to you as another human being because I'm speaking words that you fully understand because we have been trained in English, okay? And English is the grandest language that is currently accepted with the, in the most countries around the world, okay? So it's kind of a universal language on earth, you could say. So because of that, when we speak, we are speaking a frequency and vibration in the tone of the words that we are using, just as we do with music, okay? When we sing a song, again, we are speaking a various tone and vibration that undulates with the music that is being created behind us or through us, whether it be piano or guitar or drums or whatever it is the person happens to play, or if they're not playing at all, if they're only standing in front and singing, the music is still melodizing the frequency and vibration of the intent of the speaker's voice and the words that the speaker is producing, okay? So words are very, very powerful. Why? Because words are energetic. And when we start speaking energetic words, we are talking words that create reality, okay? And so this simulates 
metaphor is a demonstration of the zero point, but on a less grand degree, okay? In other words, you know, you, you, say, you say to yourself, well, you know, I wish that grandma would call, and all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, grandma calls, okay? Or you wish that, uh, you know, you had the gas to go to the store, and all of a sudden, a neighbor or a friend or even a passerby suddenly gives you $10, and now you have the gas to go to the store, okay? All kinds of manifestation and all kinds of inner frequency interlocking coming together because we create our own immediate environment, our own little world that is, of course, made up of ourselves, our friends, our family, those we hold close to us, those we hold dear, uh, those we interact with as colleagues, those we work with. All of these people help to help us create our own little world. Then in turn, you expand your consciousness out. And yes, there are 8 billion people creating a consciousness that in turn creates the world in which we live, that in creates the world's structure and all that we experience within the world itself as we all interact consciously in co-creating all that we observe and all that we experience. And then in turn, you break it down to the individual again. And yes, we are fully capable of creating whatever it is we wish to create. However, it is done through sonics or what you call vibratory notes of the voice. All right. It is done through music. It is done through emotion. It is done through intent. And in turn, these are all frequencies and vibrations. And when they're merged in the proper sequence, okay, it has an unlimited ability to create all kinds of good things in your life. But the key here, okay, is one must focus continuously on the positive, okay? Instead of seeing a, half gla- a glass half empty, you always focus that the glass is half full. All right. When you meet other people, you always give them the benefit of being good rather than being bad. By doing so, what you are doing is you are projecting, in a manner of speaking, your positiveness towards them, and it brings out in them their positive, positiveness as well. And so if you start undulating in a group form, then, of course, that group becomes very powerful because that group consciousness is there, and then the group expresses, whether through prayer or through song or what have you, and yes, their intents are not only heard, their intents are answered and responded to because that is the reality of the universe in which we live. We are all subatomic molecular particles that radiate at a specific frequency that in turn undulate a specific frequency when we speak, when we think, when we feel. These are all various frequencies. And when merged together, they are capable of creating significant change, not only in our lives, but when merged on a grander scale, significant change in our world at large. Okay? And this is an amalgamation, or what you could call uh, a shadow box creation that demonstrates creativity from the source of creation itself in its magnificence and its beauty and, of course, its unconditional love. So um, so the zero point is, yes, the place of creation itself. And this is metaphysics in harmony. Why? Because this is physics taken to the combination of spirituality and spiritual understanding and scientific understanding merging as though they became married, okay? They are now eating at the same table. They are now drinking the same wine, and they are now sharing their experiences and their understanding 
in one train of thought because the one in actuality is basically explaining the other. And this is a marriage that was ongoing. I mean, the farther you go back in mankind's history, there was only one religious belief, you could say, or one faith, okay? And this one faith, uh, fortunate or otherwise, became broken out into all kinds of different civilizations, into all kinds of different traditions, into all kinds of different belief systems, and eventually became all kinds of different world religions. And if you study all of the world religions, I assure you, having done so, that in fact you will find there is one thread that runs through them all, and they all recognize a divine source or creative individual or creative entity that creates all and from all all else exists regardless of what the tradition is my stepfather went to smu and by at 16 in texas and he was uh, all about being a pastor preacher and all that till he got into smu and they they got educated and he, the more he studied about all the world religions and methodism and all that he said, the more you study, the less you believe. So he became an accountant. <laughs> he believed in numbers. So, and that's what well, plays that's for true. our, our yes, uh, math- upbringing. But, mathematics you know, plays a... Mathematician. But this yep, is my mathem- father I was talking about. Go ahead. Well, I've, I studied accounting, too, for a bit and got an accounting degree in approximately nine months. Um, and I've done forens- forensics accounting in regards to, you know, looking for fraud and looking for thievery and all that kind of thing. But yes, you have what they call uh, mystical numerology, which has been around for ages. You have gematria, which was created by the Hebrews, which basically breaks down the alphabets in the numbers one through nine. And all numbers are given a significant number, and all the numbers then in turn also can be reduced one to nine. And this gives you all kinds of different, your birth number, you have an intrinsic number, you have a life number, you have a path number, you have an identity number, you have all kinds of different numbers. And of course, then in turn, you also have sacred geometry, which is the end creation of the numeric system. Why? Because then you are taking numeric sigils or numerically created uh, pyramids or numerically created things. And for example, you create the tree of life. And in addition to that, you can also create the flower of creation itself. And of course, you can identify that there are spirals throughout all of life. We have spirals in trees. We have spirals in in snails. We have spirals in conch. We have spirals in all kinds of different things that are around us as reminders that we have all spiraled out from one source and unto that one source, we shall eventually return. Um, but yes, mathematics plays a very, very big role in a lot of different things. And of course, it is also a treasure trove of a great deal of scientific secrets, simply because, you know, uh, there are number uh, lines of numbers that in turn creates uh, nuclear solutions and and just all kinds of formulary and it's all based on numbers and uh, you could say that the numbers reduce what would normally be considered a regular item into an atomic item and when the atomic items are combined then in turn you have explosives and all kinds of crazy things like that but yes numbers are very very 
um, important. We have numerology, of course, which is a study in the science of numbers itself. And then, of course, you also have astrology. And astrology also is using numbers for a great deal because naturally, you know, you, they are using the degree system. And, of course, degrees are all stipulated by numbers. So all of our lives, I mean, you know, we are given a number through a cycle of a year that says, okay, you are now this age, okay? And unfortunately, our society has become very biased and discriminatory because they judge people based on this number that represents their age. And I have witnessed this over and over again in attempting to find work, but I know for a fact that when we reach 50 years old, our society begins to look at us very circumspect as though we have, you know, one foot is hobbling along and the other foot's already on a banana peel, okay? And then when you get 55, they say, well, you know, uh, time to put you out to pasture. And then when you get 60, they say, oh, yeah, that's, that's the cow that resides over there in the pasture over there. And then when you go beyond 60, they really consider you to be kind of obsolete, um, and it's really a shame because if you look at the Oriental cultures, they deeply respect their elders and they deeply respect and treasure the wisdom and the insights and experience that their elders can share. So we as a Western culture can uh, learn a tremendously great amount of information in how to treat and respect our elders by all means because they, the, elder, the older that one gets, it shows that they were able to survive that amount of years to arrive at where they are. No matter how they got there, they are still there now, and that's what counts. And they have a treasure trove of knowledge and wisdom and experience to share. But unfortunately, in Western culture, it seems to be taken for granted. It's like, okay, just put them in a nursing home, and that's the end of it, and, you know, go on with your life. And then, of course, you come to the eventual place that your mother or father or your grandparents were at, whatever age they happened to be. Uh, you were referring to ages earlier. Um, my family tree are basically Celts. They are from Ireland, England, Wales, and uh, Scotland. And, uh, you know, we, we go back in tradition-wise over 5,000 years, and we have clans, and we have properties, and we have castles, and all kinds of crazy things. And, of course, there's a great many royals in our history and all this kind of stuff. But, again, you know, ancestral study, that, is, again, is another venue. That's another project. That's another area of discovery. Not only can you do it with yourself, but you can also do it with your family tree and so on. And, again, there is nothing wrong with that. And, again, it provides you further information because it substantiates how you came to be historically more than just your mother and father. So, anyway... Numbers, numbers, numbers. They are everywhere we turn, okay? You have to be this age in order to drink. You have to be this age in order to smoke. You have to be this age in order to vote. You have to be this age to participate this way. You have to be this age to drive, okay? Then in turn, you can only go this speed in this particular zone, or you can only do this so many times, or you can only do that so many times. Uh, numbers, they control us to a very, very large extent, and we don't. We take it for granted for the most part because it's not something we really focus upon commonly. But at the same time, they run through our lives and they actually control our lives to a very large degree. If in turn, again, your mindset is one that you are controlled. Two, 
that you concede or give power to this controlling agent, and third, that this is what governs your life. Now, if you take it and you wrote all them things in a chalkboard and you take an eraser and you erase them, guess what? You now have to recreate your whole ideology, your whole perception, and your whole perspective from which you are viewing your life. So we start out at the beginning and we say, okay, I'm a divine creative source of light and consciousness that is endless and so absolutely there is no limitation to me whatsoever. Okay, that's the first. Then we say, okay, this divine being is now housed in a human body, in a human reality, but even though I am here, I am not controlled by it. So therefore, I am a spiritual entity having a human experience. And then three, you naturally say that, okay, if in fact the creator of all is unconditional love, then I would expect of myself to become the most radiant and beautiful expression of that unconditional love. And therefore, by saying this, you are compelling yourself to become your most truest and authentic version of yourself or a simile of your spiritual being. Okay, so you're saying, all right, I realize that I'm a human being, but I am also a spiritual being, and my highest perception would allow me and desire of me that the two become combined. And when the two become combined, you experience an ascension, an awakening, okay? And the awakening allows you to perceive far more things than you ever perceived before, such as dead people or ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. I do believe in spirits. Why? Because we're all spirits in human bodies. So that when the body dies, the spirit still remains. It's immortal. So therefore, if a place is haunted, it means that there are spirits traversing inside that building or inside that particular location. And if they are spirits, then they are intelligent, and you can consciously, telepathically connect with them. However, if they are only energetic remains of something that continually happened on a daily basis, then we say that that is a residual energy and it has no intelligence. And therefore, you run into what appears to be a human form that is constantly doing the same act in the kitchen or the same act in the dining room or the same act in the bedroom or the same act wherever, and it does not acknowledge you, then that is not a spirit. That is just pure energy residue that has been left behind because of repetitive actions. Right? Um, and we're not going to get all into that other than from the spiritual aspect, and that is, you see, even in death, which death, of course, the word death itself means nothing but change, all right? Because one form of spirituality or spiritual essence has transmuted itself and left behind a physical body and now has changed itself or transmuted itself into another form of energetic essence. Now, of course, when you first leave the body, you have no energetic form at all. You are pure Consciousness, you are pure energy. Um, and again, this is something that is my opinion that was formed when basically I asked God to do me a favor and, and I would ask that he had me look back upon myself to see in fact what, what I am actually, what I actually am as a being. Okay, he allowed me that privilege and this is what I perceived was a swirl of golden light 
that was going round and round at a tremendous speed, and it wasn't purely golden. There were white lights, and there were the rainbow of lights mixed in, and so on and so forth, and yet it had consciousness. It was perceptive of all that was going on around it. So therefore, yes, we are forms of energetic consciousness on our highest on, our, on the level that when we leave this body, this is what we become, okay? And we are greeted by those that have gone before us that have not already returned or have not already gone on to other places, all right? So our loved ones basically greet us in energetic form. And the energetic greeting is far more thrilling and far more um, influencing than that we express between ourselves as humans. Okay? Why? Because the human body, for, for the most part, actually gets in our way. It is only an instrument which we use in order to experience our three-dimensional three world, or holograph, as some would have us believe. Um, and again, that's another theorem. And yes, it is spiritual in nature, but yet at the same time, uh, you know, when you start talking the overall consciousness of an entire race, they are unlimited in what their creativity can and cannot perform. So therefore, whether that's true or not, it could well be. Uh, but there are lots of things that may or may not be true, you see, because it all comes down to what you believe, because what you believe in turn translates before you manifested into what you experience. So keep that in mind. Words, thoughts, intentions, and feelings are very, very powerful far more powerful than we ever believed they would be or could be, simply because we were never trained that way. We were always trained that, hello, you follow these rules and you do this, these acts, and you know, you'll, be, you'll be kindly looked upon by the eyes of God. But then again, you see, where are these eyes of God? Well, there is a creative source, okay, that's true. But yet in turn, if the creative source created all of us, would not the creative source instantaneously be conscious of all of us continuously? I would think that that would only be logical. But then I have a logical and what you would call um, investigative and analytical mind to some degree on the one side. And then, of course, on the other side, I am a creative being that is telepathic and sensitive and all these different imaginative things and so the two work in harmony because where the one gets too far out and can't even be understood by me, then in turn the analytical side kind of brings it back over and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, and starts questioning, you see, because a true truth seeker is also someone with an insatiable curiosity. And that is a vital thing to have an insatiable curiosity simply because you are constantly exploring, you're constantly growing, and you're constantly expanding in every way that you can. And that's where ascension comes in, because ascension is the process of learning, growing, expanding, and developing into your own higher self. All right. I think you did a good job there taking us right on out to the end of the two-hour show, folks. So unconditional <laughs> love is our foundation. So Richard and I have never met, but I love him unconditionally. Now, is that a true or false statement, Richard? I believe that to be true, just as I would return in favor that I, I love and accept you fully unconditionally. And we always shapes and forms. To us? I said, and we went through hell and back. Uh, yes, in a manner of speaking, this is also true because you see, people, well, anyway, we're not going to get into all that. Uh, you know, we're it was just all not going there. Debate. 
it was I don't know if it oh, was yes. debate, it was oral controversy. But well, uh, as your saying goes, we agreed that. to disagree. And theologians yeah. and, 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 and metaphysicians and scholars <laughs> and universalists have always done this down through history. And they get to a point where they actually, what they are doing is they're expanding each other's view so that their view actually encompasses the view that they're presented with. And that way there's really no disagreement. Rather, there is a furtherance of understanding. Well, folks, I guess you could say that whatever is out there that is in the mind of Richard's mind has somehow gone through Satan's lawyers and agreed after they have put everybody, including angels and gods, on trial. So, you know, we went out that we are human and we're on the planet and we're here now. And all topics related to atheism, agnosticism, secular world religions, world religions, all religions, all religions that are man-made, and then, you know, we do believe that there is a divine cosmos and a divine world situation. So, you know, there are universes among universes. So alien civilizations exist. We are now firmly implanted on uh, the planet in uh, blog talk radio, commonly called BTR. And, uh, you know, we're going to do our psychic thing, and a lot of people still think that any people helping other people especially tarot cards, which are a whole history at the 14th, 15th century. But cards used to help us pass the time, and they were very in the royal. Losing you. You know, we're going to all help us. We're going to help each other and uh, just do what is right, all things allowed by law, and uh, love and light is, you know, common saying because we want more wisdom and we want you to be educated. But we're going to do the logical, scientific side of uh, rating ourselves and yet uh, try not to judge because, you know, we pay people, the Supreme Court, they actually get paid. So if you have to go to court just hope for the best you know we we prepare we prepare for the worst and hope for the best folks but i'll be doing my part as an artist and a writer and a speaker and so will richard but we're also i've got tj mars agency uh i think it's club richard uh but folks we help each other if you're entrepreneurs and we don't get paid uh we don't take money as spiritual uh Preachers or pastors, uh, you know, that's strictly if you've got something for donation, fine. We'd appreciate it. TJ Mars Agency on uh, PayPal, and we will make sure it goes right on the bills for uh, technology and communication right now. But uh, now one way we may take up is to pay for our time and minutes is either helping people do the psychic readings or we are talking about doing a virtual webinar so our virtual uh, conference so right now i can tell you the ozark conference is the second week of april and richard's talking about moving to arkansas but that's such a far far place it's farther but you know i'm in uh, gulf breeze and he is in valdosta so we need to meet probably in tallahassee i may have to drive a little farther than him but uh, to get these uh bills and whatever we has and let's say we everybody agrees we can have electronic signature and we'll see how that goes so folks we've got the uh ein and we're off and running on ascension church ohana as a real deal and right now it's an internet radio show every sunday 
with Pastor Richard T. Knight and Pastor Teresa J. Morris and anybody else that wants to participate. Love and light. Richard, do you think we ought to show up Thursday because people like – believe it or not, those advising people, if you make it – if you say it's psychic, they will show up. So they're not showing up too much for Sunday. <laughs> I know they're out there listening, though. But you know what I'm saying? We're open yep. source. But we'll exactly. talk off in there about Internet technology, science and society, religion, public life, and all the social and demographic trends that we're working with. The only thing we're not trying to touch is U.S. politics and policy, but I think they have their hands full in Washington and the economic sanctions. But I do know we do need to uh, talk about economics and that that is the number one word on the planet next to environmental, the two E's, economic, well, I guess education too. Education, economics, and environments, the three E's. Uh, but we need food. We need economically to be able to buy food, and we all want to work. So that's sort of education and employment. There's another E. <laughs> so I'm doing pretty good on these decisions to- and so we'll keep making videos and look for us on American Communications Online, Ascension Church Ohana, and on uh, YouTube out there and TJ Mars Agency. And uh, uh, Richard and I have got Psychic Channel Network together and, uh, gosh, so many more. So right now, uh, Richard, see if you can pull up. Uh, we've got our Ascension Church Ohana up, but we've got to go in and fill the little template up with the people so right now it looks like it's going to be me and richard as the pastors for ascension church ohana your ascension church sunday so thank you for joining us all you wonderful members of ascension church ohana you know who you are and it's because you believe in unconditional love well richard i've enjoyed it ascension center education tj mars agency and getting with you uh running Alien Contact Investigators and UAP Associates and Ascension Center Church and Ascension Church Ohana. So uh, give me a call later, Richard. <laughs> Pastor Rich. Okay. Yep. Love we appreciate you all. We love you all unconditionally, and we, you know, we appreciate you sharing the moment with us. And we don't know if we're going to be back Wednesday and Thursday, or we do. Uh, Wednesday most likely, and Thursday definitely. Oh, Thursdays, we're going to do readings again. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think Gigi may show up then. We'll have to see. All right, folks. Love and light. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, yes. Richard. Thank you. I'm on the top.
the world looking down on creation and the only explanation I can find is the love that I found ever since you've been around your love put me at the top of the world 